ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Halloween time is here. That's right, it's a special edition of Kill by Kill. Greetings and salutations, internet, how you doing? My name is Patrick Hamilton, and I'm a supposed entertainment professional only because I don't earn money any other way, and I am back with this special edition of Kill by Kill for all of you in this Halloween season, and I have brought my special trick-or-treating buddy with me. It is the one, the only, Gina Radcliffe. Uh, what are you having? Are you gonna take the the M and M's or the the crackles? What 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 are you? What's your pleasure? Oh, what are you taking here? I'm totes taking those crackles, yo. All right. Well, I, I will, love me some crackles. I will trade you three crackles for two for two Reese's cups. What do you think of that? Oh, that, that is a perfect trade. Anything that I got that's peanut butter, I will slide that on over. You don't even have to reciprocate. All right. For awesome. whatever reason, peanut butter does not register in my palate. <laughs> It tastes, it tastes like a, a nutty mud to me. Almonds, I love them. Uh, you know, macadamia nuts, uh, those are perfecto. But uh, peanut butter just doesn't do anything for me personally. Nothing against anyone that it does. That, that's the beauty of life. Everyone gets to have their thing. But but how will you? How will they get you to be able to take a pill if you don't eat peanut butter? Oh, they just shove it down my throat. Just hold, just I, hold your nose and just ram it right down there. All yes, right. I, my wife goes full just before dawn on me, shoves her entire hand and forearm down my throat <laughs> to get me to take pills. And uh, otherwise, I I would keel over at any second. Uh, I'm only kept alive by a series of pills shoved down my throat. Um. If you haven't watched Just Before Dawn, I just spoiled it. And if you have, you just got the world's greatest guffaw at that little bit. Anyways, uh, just to remind everyone what our actual purpose here is at Kill by Kill, we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. And while we would usually go into great detail about characters in a given movie, we probably won't get that deep in this particular episode because what we will actually be doing here is talking about our favorite deaths from the Halloween franchise, but we won't be discussing the remakes at all. Yeah, don't write in. Don't say, but what about this scene? And what about the scene with Malcolm McDowell? No, I, I, don't, I don't acknowledge that there are, uh, that there are other uh, Halloween movies made. I know they're supposed to be super duper violent and looks like they were made in the seventies. I know I've seen a Rob Zombie movie. It's okay. I, I got it. Yeah, I met Rob Zombie once. Lovely fella. Really uh, has a genuine love for the horror genre. But like peanut butter, he is not to my taste, and that's okay. People, pop culture is like ice cream. If you like a different flavor from me. It doesn't mean that my flavor is yucky or yours is fantastic. It's just we enjoy different things, and that's okay. So, yeah, I I couldn't even make it through the second one. Uh, the first one, I sat very disappointed in a, in a reduced-priced movie theater with my wife, who said, why do you do this to yourself as we walked out? <laughs> I mean, all I had to hear was, oh, well, his mom was a stripper. I was like, yep, all right, stop right there. I, I'm good. I don't need his origin story. It's it's fine. It, it really, really, I, I never watched any of these movies. I thought, huh, now how 
did he turn out this way? I, I don't don't care. It doesn't make the movies any different to me. It, it, it's fine. That is completely not necessary. Yeah, it seems to be remake-itis or reboot-itis when some exec goes, you know, the thing is, like, this question never got answered. And the reason is, movies are great at posing questions and shitty at answering them. Don't answer so many questions. Like a couple's fine, like to progress the plot and whatnot. But if the point of your movie is to answer some question that we never got in the original, you're doing it wrong. Sorry. Exactly. And not not everything needs to be explained. No, 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 no. Although we are going to explain ourselves as we count down our personal top five deaths in the entire Halloween franchise proper we will extend that out to resurrection for some reason (laughs) and for no other point than to talk at length about um buster rhymes uh, who (laughs) celebrates his popular web stream by drinking red wine which i do not believe (laughs) it's the most unbelievable moment in that entire movie and that takes into account him popping into a room and yelling, trick or treat, motherfucker, which is just a good time. All right. So, ladies first, why don't we go with your number five, Gina? Um, I'm going to go with the one that started it all. Um, that would be Judith Myers. Um, we don't know a lot about Judith Myers, sister of Michael Myers, except that she is a, evidently a teenager. Doesn't really look like a teenager, but that's neither here nor there. And that she is murdered immediately following an incredibly short and presumably not at all satisfying sexual experience. Um, I, I, I love the timing of this in which the person who, of course, turns out to be young Michael Myers is peering through the window with her making out with her boyfriend and uh, they go upstairs to uh, to get up to no good. Michael Myers goes into a, the house, looks for a knife, and in the forty five seconds or so that it takes him to find the the kitchen knife, the boyfriend comes back down the stairs, fully clothed, walks right out the door. I I'm not sure what happened when they got upstairs. It's almost like he pulled a Grandpa Simpson and you immediately walked in her bedroom, turned around, walked right back out again. <laughs> Um, you know, it's still that the scene holds up as fairly shocking, even if you, of course, you know the the big reveal that it's a small child. Not a great actress. Her screams sound a little pornographic (laughs) for, uh... Yeah, they are unconvincing in terms of I'm being stabbed to death screams. It sounds more like the killer is ripping up her favorite dream board. (laughs) Something or, that that lists the van that she'd like to drive in Cal- drive to California in, or yeah, uh, or that he's engaging in a panty raid or something like that. But it's it's the immediate aftermath that's a little that's more memorable when he wanders out onto the front porch and the parents show up and just sort of stand there while he's standing there with a kitchen knife just staring at him, which I always thought was a a curious way of handling that, and yet it's it's unsettling. I mean, you would because you would think obviously in real life they're gonna take the knife away they're gonna go in the house oh my god he you know who killed judith it wasn't this cherubic little child standing on this porch was it when they put on the mask it looks a little weird it's always looked to me like it's a doll's arm is grabbing the mask and putting it on (laughs) it's like this little baby hand (laughs) yeah it's uh it's super weird but it comes off really well and yeah compared to friday the 13th 
Friday the 13th looks stupid next to Halloween. Halloween just hands down looks like such a better produced and constructed film than anything that Friday the 13th manages to pull off for quite some time. Oh yeah, totally. And and again, it, it holds up very well. I mean, a lot of slasher movies try for that big opening scene and it just doesn't, it, it doesn't quite work the same way. No, the only thing that really approaches it is Scream. Oh yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's wound like a Swiss watch. It's oh, just runs and runs and runs and you don't have to suffer through the clown mask obscuring your vision (laughs) it's suspense built in dialogue and mood whereas this is pure cinema it's you're picking up all the context clues just by what you see all right well let's switch over now to my number five slot and that would be nurse jill from halloween 2 and if you're saying which nurse is that one it's the blonde who doesn't make much impression throughout the entire film until she's stabbed in the back by a scalpel and lifted off of her feet and as she dies her shoes fall off and that's nurse jill (laughs) i just love that her death is signified by the other shoe dropping quite literally (laughs) i'm not sure if they they did that intentionally but uh according to the documentary that is attached to shout factory's blu-ray the costume person came up with that gag and it's a damn good gag (laughs) it really works and it and it uh, fulfills that slot that apparently needs to be in every film after the first one that michael myers pick somebody up with an object he's impaled somebody with and lift them off the ground. Whereas in the previous film, he has trouble strangling people. Oh yeah. I'll but get he, to that. I'll get to that with my, uh, with my fourth, my number four pick, but um, okay. I just can't, I, I just can't help thinking that it, if, if Halloween two went on a little longer, that the next day you'd be seeing someone put up a sign at, at the Haddonfield General Hospital that says they're having a nurses hiring fair, because there are so many nurses that just get taken out in this movie. <laughs> like what, like four or five, and, and how many? I mean, Haddonfield's a little town. How many nurses could they have had on duty? And yet they have a hospital with a surgical suite and a fully staffed, you know, nurses station with babies, and like that is a giant hospital with very few people working there if the ambulance crew wasn't around it would be almost abandoned uh, it's kind of nuts and if you want to hear more of my thoughts on halloween 2 get ready because apparently i will be guesting on scare 101 a podcast which uh, will be dropping right around the time this does and we will be going into depth on halloween 2 so you'll get more of my thoughts on that luminary cinematic effort in that podcast uh okay so we've talked about it we've teased it gina drop uh your number four on us uh this is in halloween part four uh when the series was uh was revived after uh after a few years after the dismal failure of of halloween three season of the witch Mm -hmm. um this is when we realized that of course michael myers is still alive and um, attacks a number of people in an ambulance while the ambulance is in motion. At one point, he grabs a doctor, slams his head against the wall of the ambulance a couple times, and then proceeds to just sort of 
punch push his thumb through this guy's forehead like you or I would into a rotting cantaloupe. <laughs> and I think and again to obviously compete with the direction that Friday the Friday the 13th movies were going, I think that at this point when they brought part 4 back, they the the writers just decided to drop any notion that Michael Myers was a human being and just kind of turn him into this freakishly strong near immortal killbot. I mean, he in this movie he's he's tearing people in half, he rips a guy's throat out, which is which is interesting because in part 5 he kind of just goes back to stabbing and slashing. But in this one he he's just like feral. He's 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 tearing people to shreds. The forehead is I'm pretty sure the thickest part of the, th- the thickest uh, section of bone other than the femur and the human body, I'm not sure how much strength it would require to just kind of, you know, wiggle your thumb into someone's forehead, but he does it. It's not like he's using the eye socket as his entry point. It is the literal forehead that he is forcing his thumb, which to my knowledge has not been sharpened in jail (laughs) like a shiv, into this man's forehead, and it is memorable because it is so insanely ludicrous and the other part of this that i really enjoy is that this particular emt attendant who's listed as jay black in wikia which is a wonderful resource for us all of a sudden he is this backstory machine like his only purpose is to stand or sit over michael myers unconscious body and go hey you know uh, this guy, he still has one living r- relative, and that's all Michael Myers needs to hear in whatever I'm done killing coma he's in. And he's like, what? I have a reason to kill again? Yanks his own chain a whole bunch of times like a chatty Cathy and shoves his thumb through this guy's fucking forehead. I mean, calling this guy a red shirt is an insult to the legacy of Star Trek and possibly the color red. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a, you know, symbolizes the new direction that the movies were going to take and not a very good direction. No. Uh, the other element from Wikia that I wanted to bring up is this quote. He was buried in Mount St. Clair Cemetery. <laughs> Why does everyone on Wikia think it's important for me to know where these people are buried? But does he have does he have his parents' names listed? No, that that is not information that is uh, submitted for <laughs> our can, review. We, we can assume Mr. and Mrs. Black probably. And just for everyone's clarification, when Gina and I reviewed what our list would be shortly before we started the podcast, we discovered we had the same number four and the same number one. <laughs> <laughs> it's magic so not only did we we cross over but we had them in the same order so i changed my number four to the next thing that leaped to mind and that was jenna danzig from halloween resurrection and if you don't remember her uh it's because uh she makes almost no impression on the film uh she's played by the same actress who would go on to be starbuck in the new uh galactica series and I can't remember her name for the life of me. <laughs> oh, it's Katie Sackoff. Katie Sackoff. Katie Sackoff. Okay. Uh, that, that would have come to me in a couple months, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I just haven't had to think about it in a while. So Katie Sackoff plays uh, this particular character. So you go, oh, hey, it's that girl from Battlestar Galactica who everyone wanted to be Captain Marvel before they cast the perfect person. And then 
so she shows up in it in weird uh, early 2000 pigtails. Those sort of uh, motorcycle handlebar sort of hairstyle. I, I feel like that might have that might have meant to be a callback to Linda from from uh, the first Halloween. Oh, it does not register if that's what they were going for. They they cast the wrong actress for that particular role. Although she spends the vast majority of that film teasing the idea that she'll take off her shirt. And then she never does until she ultimately does go topless by getting her head chopped off by Michael Myers. Oh. So there, I guess, is a cosmic prank. Um, and the only real reason that I'm listening to it here is not the death itself, which is not carried off in any sort of amusing, interesting, or compelling manner. But it's the reaction of the group who's watching the live stream at the party this B plot that runs throughout the movie and <laughs> back when, back when the idea of people seeing what you do online is just an absolute terrifying concept. Cause I think that was a time around <laughs> D Snyder's strange land came out. <laughs> yes. They're all watching this live stream on this big projection system and the head comes off and everyone yells cool, which is not, there's nothing cool about that. There's nothing even approaching cool about it. You just watched either a real person get their head chopped off or a fake person get their fake head chopped off in a very unconvincing manner. And I promise you, no one in that real movie audience yelled cool when this happened. So moving on to my number three pick, uh, that would be the death of Sarah from Halloween H2O. Mm-hmm. Um, I mostly added Halloween H2O as a kindness because honestly, who could give a shit less about ha- Halloween H2O? Sarah gets a pretty good death. Um, she discovers a person who's had his neck cut with a corkscrew. I'm not sure how that works, but whatever. Um, so she gets caught in a dumbwaiter, and it's a decent enough chase scene. And she ends up getting her leg cut off because she has her, she's trying to get, I believe she's trying to get out of the dumbwaiter. And he comes, Michael Myers comes after her. She presses the button, you know, her leg gets caught between the, the edge of the dumbwaiter and the wall. Blah, leg comes off. And then he stabs her to death. It's, 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 probably the only standout scene and so that's a perfect transition to my number three which is from halloween three season of the witch the supposedly misbegotten entry in the halloween series but if you saw four five six seven and eight you'll quickly realize it's a sterling entry It is so much better than all of those films combined. Um, And yeah, it doesn't have Michael Myers in it. But you know what? Universal dropped the ball. They should have made it that every Halloween, a Halloween movie comes out that's a different horror movie. And some could have been better and some could have been worse. But they would have made money. It it was dumb to just go, ah, this experiment doesn't work. Um, So the one that I love 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 in this movie well there's a, there's quite a few but this one's a standout is starker who is the town drunk by day and town drunker by night 
in a contest of characters who drink, including a doctor. He loads up for seemingly an overnight road trip with like a case of Miller High Life. <laughs> yeah. Like his road beers are a lot of fucking beers. It's nuts. <laughs> Do not take up his example. Um, but anyways, Starker is that sort of doomsayer character, only he is saying aloud what the rest of the town won't say, which is that the Silver Shamrock Factory is basically killing this town. You can't get a job at it. It doesn't matter. They won't employ you, but they keep employing somebody, just no one in the town, and the town is now dying on the vine because of it, and he pledges to burn it to the ground, and only a few hours later... Uh, Cochran's uh, minions come and tear his head clean off his body. Oh yeah, we could have done an entire. We could have done an entire. This entire episode could have been dedicated to Halloween three kills. There are some. Oh yeah. Seriously brutal kills, and the special effects aren't bad, even by by oh, no. by today's standards. Like I was kind of vacillating between one of my other picks and the one where they were, I mean, they're basically kill bots controlled mm-hmm. by, by little slivers of Stonehenge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. It makes, it makes sense when you think about it. It makes a lot of sense. Um, Stonehenge controlled robots who, who just dismantle a man's skull while he's laying in a hospital bed. And it's fucking brutal. It's it's just like they're they're merciless. And there's also the lady that, you know, also with a piece of Stonehenge <laughs> um, gets laser as, stabbed. As as entertaining as this movie is, it's the plot does not never gets any less ridiculous to explain to anybody. No. But she gets she gets zapped in the face with this piece of la- you know, Stonehenge and you basically Half her face looks like looks like ground meat afterwards, and it's fucking gross. It oh, really yeah. is. Everything, yet, all the special effects in here, even even the opticals for the space lasers that come out of Stonehenge, <laughs> look <laughs> really really good. Um, I have a feeling that this movie is the reason for half the shows on Adult Swim. It's oh, just totally. everything is ludicrous in it, and. <laughs> But it's executed in a, a pretty entertaining manner. And if it just didn't have the words Halloween 3 attached to it, I I think it would have done much, much better. But when they put the 3 next to it, they gave the idea that it's a continuation. And then they, they gave people an apple that they sold you that it was an orange. And it doesn't matter how great that apple is. People are going to go, oh, this is not what I expected, and they have an immediate problem with it. Whereas if you just watch the movie, man, it's fucking awesome. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's creepy. The other Wikia entry that I really love for this particular character is this. Quote, prior to his death, Starker enjoyed snacking on Cheese Whiz or spray cheese product on bread, which tells you a lot about him as an individual. <laughs> I, I really kind of hope that they that somebody put that in his obituary. You know, like like, like when you say like, oh, you know, she enjoyed knitting and listening to classical music. He enjoyed cheese whiz on bread. Yes, he found it agreeable to his palate, and he enjoyed it. 
along with every alcoholic beverage known to man. I was going to say, he probably, his stomach was probably so ulcerated from years of alcohol abuse that the only thing he could eat was cheese whiz on bread. That's right. It was a public service that cheese whiz existed for him. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so let's get back into it. What is your number two? Um, I'm cheating a little bit because this character's death is an accident, but... Um, I'm going to go with Ben Tramer in uh, in Halloween 2. Ben Tramer does not get any dialogue. Uh, He is um, showing an incredible amount of prescience dressed like Michael Myers on Halloween. (laughs) Uh, Apparently the blank William Shatner mask was a big seller in Haddonfield that year. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So Dr. Loomis spots him. Uh, assuming that he is Michael Myers, begins chasing him. Tramer does not either does not hear him or chooses to ignore him. Uh, he walks out into the middle of the street, gets fucking creamed by a police car, which in turn crashes into a van. And of course, in true Hollywood movie magic fashion, it immediately explodes. Yes. Um, the next time you see this character, he is basically a pile of charcoal briquettes. It's now, a uh, gas and uh, flare gun truck, apparently. <laughs> it's for the local. It's a delivery for the local firework factory. Yeah, basically. Uh, but then you. But then here's the thing. Ben Tramer is a character who is briefly mentioned in Halloween. He is a classmate of Laurie's who she likes and whom I believe it is Annie agrees to set her up on a date with. Mm. Now, now I love this because this is basically the writers of the movie saying, fuck you, Laurie. You thought, <laughs> you know, you, your, your friends are dead. You find out that the person who killed them is your long lost brother. And we killed the, off the guy you liked in a horrible accident. They just want to make sure this girl has the worst fucking night of her life imaginable and it's so just she's just, got a lifetime of lance guests to look forward to well that's it's true just, that's true but obviously that didn't work out she's with that she's with adam arkin in in, in h2o but um that's true but yeah I, I just just it was just an odd little cruel twist in the in the movie to to just have this character who again you never even see him he's, he's just in this costume and he he doesn't get any dialogue and but but if you had seen the the first movie, you would know who he was, and it just I don't know, it just seems like you know this, the writer just totally giving her the finger, and it's <laughs> and it's amu- it's amusing in that cruelty. Yeah, I I like that element of it. I I love his little uh, increased shuffle once <laughs> uh, Loomis and the sheriff's deputy start calling out for him. Yeah, it's, and he it's, just it's, kind of does this quick little. Uh, speed walk like oh no oh, oh, oh no <laughs> and wanders straight out into the street where the only thing that can happen to him is to be struck by a sheriff's vehicle and slammed into an exploding flaming truck and, uh, he's probably ran away because he was he was afraid they were going to ask him why an 18 year old boy was out trick-or-treating by himself <laughs> Yeah, so let's keep this ball a-rollin' and get to my number two on the hit list. And we are shifting upwards into the not-so-hallowed ground of Halloween 4. 
Return of Michael Myers? Is that the subheader on that one? That was Return, and then the fifth one was Revenge of Michael Myers, which wasn't... Yeah. Hasn't he been revenging the whole time? Pretty much. Well, I, what's been done to him? Like, what slights has Michael Myers suffered? Like, you kill a bunch of people, and then they try to put you away, and then you kill a bunch of people, and they shoot you. You're like, well, fuck, what did I do? Kill a bunch of people. That's what they do to the killers. They don't allow, allow you to, to scramble about just stabbing any old chick you want in a clown mask. Not that people these days seem to find that uh, abhorrent behavior or anything. It, it was of its time. Back then, kids, wandering around in a clown mask looking to stab people was a bad thing. That's how you know we're old. Um, yeah. Revenge. Uh, so, yeah. Halloween 4 is the return. Uh, we've already discussed the poor EMT doctor who gets a thumb to the forehead. This is a little bit later in the grand tradition of Michael Myers wants to pin somebody to a wall. The person in question that we're discussing is Kelly Meekler. Uh, she is the designated cock blocker of the film. <laughs> She's totally after Rachel's boyfriend. The entire movie. Just thirsty for it. And does everything within her power to try to seal that deal and never quite making it all the way. Anyways, the real, I guess, crux of this is that she's supposed to discover a bunch of dead sheriff's deputies on her way to getting herself impaled via shotgun to a wall. And I think that's what I love about it, is that he uses a shotgun as a spear. I, I feel like there might have been something a little possibly phallic about that, uh... No, <laughs> no, a, Gina, little, how how I, dare you? You know, I, 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 I have a sort of eye for nuance and things. <laughs> you, you know that? You know Breaking that news, everybody. Gina's got an eye for nuance when it comes to stabbing women with long, solid objects. Well, you know that song, uh, Peaches, by the President of the United States of America? Yes. Yes, I'm not about Not about fruit. What, what do you mean? They say peaches like a half dozen times in that thing. You really have to look deep into the lyrics. There's uh -huh. a hidden there's a hidden meaning. Okay. So you know, I, I suggest that when you're done listening to you doing this, you, you listen to that song. It'll it'll blow your fucking mind. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, subtlety. Uh yeah, she gets stabbed through the chesticle area. This seems to be a very popular area for uh, our brand of masked killers, the chesticle area. We're not sure if it's high on the chest or low in the stomach, but it seems to be, it's got to be underneath the rib cage in order to really suspend her that way. Otherwise, she'd just, you know, sloop over, you know? Like you'd spin her, like the, <laughs> the thing that determines how many um, spaces you can go on a on a board game. And in this sequence, you know, Listen, if I'm watching this kind of horror movie, I'm expecting a little bit of gore. But that shotgun comes through the other side of the wall relatively untouched by the body it just passed through. A baptism of plaster, maybe? Yeah, there you go. A baptism of plaster. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's such a shitty film. Uh, let's move on to our number one, which isn't going to take as long as you think, because... We have the same number one. Gina, what is it? 
uh, little buddy Kupfer from Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Yeah. I gotta say, this death is really gross. Yes. It, it's probably, like, when I probably was maybe, when this movie came out, 82, 83? I believe 82. It was part of that insane run that Universal Studios had. Conan the Barbarian came out. Uh, the th- John Carpenter's version of The Thing came out. E.T. came out. They just had this crazy run of awesome genre stuff all in a row. Like, they just hit home run after home run after home run. And this was, this did not do well, but it's not because it's a shitty movie. It would have done even more better if they'd put Donovan's Season of the Witch on the soundtrack. Imagine how awesome that would have been. Yes, well, apparently that costs money, or John Carpenter's like, fuck that hippie. Which I kind of think is probably what it <laughs> you know, came I down can, to. I can totally, that is absolutely plausible. Let's do a little bit of setup here. A little buddy is the son of Big Buddy Kupfner and his wife, who I'm not entirely sure she's given a specific name. Mrs. We'll call her Mrs. Buddy. Mrs. Buddy. Big Buddy is one of the best distributors of these masks of anyone else in the country. And he has the look of a guy who sells a lot of Halloween masks. He's clinically overweight. He wears horrible ties and shirts and looks like if you asked him to maybe give you a handy under the desk... Like, he wouldn't say no, because he needs those sales. <laughs> he, he he wouldn't say no. There'd be a little bit, oh, gee, I don't know. Gee, you know, you sure? He sure? I can give you a cost. Oh, gee. Oh, well, all right. Lock the door. <laughs> hand job, hand job, hand job, hand job. And, and his wife has the look of somebody who is unsatisfied in almost every single way, shape, or form. Yeah, obviously, um, these, obviously, this family was set up to be the audience would enjoy seeing something horrible happen to. They're rubes. They're like professional rubes, is the best way. I that that's the word that leapt to mind for me. That she is dressed in the most oddly diaphanous lace pilgrim dress I've ever seen, and just reeks of somebody who anytime she gets around the owner of the factory she's like oh he became rich almost overnight with this and oh can you imagine having all that money and we're like what then you but look at this place it's horrible who wants to live in this town even even the town drunk doesn't want to live in this town and all he does is drink here (laughs) But yeah, so they are invited to um, to visit the Silver Shamrock factory. They're they're given the grand tour, and and then as a as a prize, quote quote, to the Cupfers, they are given the opportunity to um, do I guess you'd call it quality assurance for television commercials. It's a factory. I mean, I think what ultimately it is that they're luring someone who's done a ton of business with them in order for this cosmic joke to take place. You have spread this, a terrorist attack via witchcraft uh, out not, into not, the world. Not, you did the best with, job for us. Not just so we're witchcraft, gonna... Stonehenge witchcraft. Specialty subset. I'll give you that. <laughs> and uh, so we're going to pay you back in droves by making your kids the sort of test case. Like, And up till this point, 
this is theory in Cochrane's mind what's about to happen. They haven't tested it out on anybody else is the impression I got. And like six hours before the big time, like, all right, well, maybe we'll slap it on a kid and see what happens. Six hours before the big giveaway, kids. Yeah. Um, but, but but yeah, so they put them in this room that's, I mean, it's very elaborate. Um, it looks like a model living room mm-hmm. and, and have them watch the you know, do, 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 do commercials, which are, they, that will stick in your fucking head for days yes, after mm-hmm. watching this movie. And, and you know, assuming that children are all mindless lump of, lumps of clay that will do whatever a, per, a, vo- a disembodied voice in the television will tell them to do. <laughs> um, I mean that's that's the basis of this commercial of, mm-hmm. of this of this plot to kill all the children because they don't celebrate Samhain in the in the proper manner. Well, Just, the world needs a cleansing, and this is what's going the, to the, help do it. Yeah, because of this I mean for such a stupid plot, this movie is very entertaining. But you know, and and it all depends on kids just sitting there, so, you know, presumably gate mouth at this commercial put your masks on all right and you know just in one fluid motion because you know if there's anything children are good at it's doing something immediately as soon as they're told as you probably know (laughs) i mean think of your 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 son is c6 yes so you know how about approximately how long you know after put on the mask would he put on the mask we purchased him a godzilla costume because he's very into godzilla Mm -hmm. uh and it is a blow-up costume there's a little fan inside of it that bulks him up and he sees out of the godzilla mouth and we had read in the amazon reviews that the opening was a little tight so we informed him the the opening that your head goes in here is a little tight and he lost his ever-loving mind for like 20 minutes <laughs> like you're not putting me on that thing i'm not being godzilla the world sucks burn down this house i want to murder your parents before you're born i mean anything he could do to avoid being placed inside of this godzilla costume until he actually got in it and he was like oh that's fine but that was 20 minutes that was 20 minutes of reverse psychology bribery cursing the heavens you know we tried everything to get him into this mask just to try it on so the idea that he might be informed by television to go do this now if someone from the kid city youtube site told him to do it like three seconds three seconds there's definitely the guy from race grooves the guy who, who shows you how to do uh hot wheels cars tracks if he said, show up at this time, borrow your parents' gun, ask the teller, I want all 20s, no 50s, and no exploding packs, he would be like, okay, but which bank? Okay, so basically children are mindless lumps of clay when it comes to to people on the television, but not their own parents. All right, point, I, point taken. It's very safe to rebel against your parents because you know that they're never going to abandon you on the street corner. At least they're not supposed to. Whereas 
you're really paying attention to this other thing that you're super, super, super interested in because it's the best thing ever. Oh, my goodness. And this sort of supposes that these masks are, you know, status symbols of a, of a sort. Like, all the cool kids have these masks. This is the thing you have to have. And that's what it's kind of relying on in terms of its storytelling mechanism. Oh, yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely very cynical about children, you know, being sort of, you know, hypnotized by images they see on television and... and consumerism it's a very very cynical movie yes but um so you know the commercial comes on the kid puts the mask on the parents are kind of in the background not really paying attention to what he's doing because they're horrible and they're they're sniping at each other yeah mrs mrs buddy is is laughing her ass off at the fact that there's fake fruit in there i i don't know what's so funny about that she doesn't get she she doesn't get out much i think she's also drunk that's that's also possible, yes. but uh, we notice pretty quickly that something appears to be wrong with young little buddy. Um, and again, I I have I make no attempts to explain the logistics of what happens to him. But um, first, it appears that the mask is melting, and then it appears that pretty much all manner of insects and snakes are coming out of his mouth and his eyes, which are, which when, you know, when I was 11, that was pretty fucking horrifying. When I was 44, that's pretty fucking horrifying. It's really gross. It, yeah, whatever this, like, teleportation spell or transmutation. It, is it like, or, I mean, have you theorized, is it, is, did it turn his head into these things? Or is it, are they, like, coming out of his or are they like you know coming out of him? I mean, I just like I, I've never been able to figure out exactly what it was doing to him. Only that it was fucking horrifying. I think if if I were to theorize that it is either transforming the insides of his head into snakes and bugs, or it opens a portal to an endless menagerie of snakes and bugs, and either one. It's meant to basically be a horrible death that, via this mass cleansing, therefore makes the Earth sustainable for another thousand years. Or at least that's how Cochrane sort of sets it up. I, I Basically and, what and it is, it's a doomsday scenario, and it turns out to be uber gross when you see it. And motherfuckers could have celebrated Samhain the right way after this, right? Am I right? <laughs> I mean, when, yeah. when your kid's head dissolves to bugs and snakes before your very eyes, you're going to be celebrating Solomon like he tells you to. You're going to, um, you're going to be bringing out those. You're going to be bringing out those Glenn Danzig albums, and, and you're oh going to yeah, do it the, the the right way. But yeah, so I mean, like a, a snake comes out of like a big snake, and the and the snake like bites the big buddy. He dies. Mm-hmm. I think the mom just dies of dies of fright, which is you know understandable but it's yes. again it's one of those things where it's if you describe it to somebody it's like oh that sounds stupid and you're watching you're like ah oh god yeah, this would, is awful and no it doesn't matter who explains it to you it's not going to sound as cool as actually watching it no and again i, I think we mentioned before that this, the special effects in this are pretty good oh and, hell yes yeah and 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 they they still look good i still kind of had to look away a little bit and i could not watch that scene for years just, just the, just the, the, just the shot of the kid like kind of putting his hands up to the mask. That, just that alone, I was like, the <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of my favorite things about the scene is the way it cuts back to Tom Atkins, who's playing uh, 
the drunk doctor who has stumbled onto this plot. And he's watching it on the monitor with Cochran. And he holds his fist up to his face in pain and torment in the most actor actor moment that has ever been acted. Oh, yeah. He, he, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he's a little slow starting in this, but uh, that lasts half hour, so he, he is emoting the shit out of this movie. <laughs> um, not to put too fine a, a point on it, but Wiki has been a source of wonderment for us, particularly in this episode. <laughs> but uh, just so you know... In the wiki article for Little Buddy, it states that he is buried in a cemetery in the middle between his parents. Wait, but who found wait, but who found his body though? That's the thing. The entire factory blows up in hellfire from Stonehenge rocks. So I don't really know who they how they found that body or why they would go, oh, yeah. Well, the headless body that's covered in, in dead bugs, that's definitely the kid. And the snake bite victims, those are the parents. So we'll put them on either side and we'll put the little one with no head in the middle of it. I wanna see that I wanna see that all top I wanna see that autopsy report. <laughs> <laughs> cause of death uh, cause of death, head dissolved into bugs and snakes. <laughs> it's a very rare condition. That you do not want to catch it, let me tell you. Uh it's you know, one of the weirdest CSI moments uh, on record, that's for sure, showing up there. Hey, all right, what do you got today? Well, uh, snake bite victim, death by fright, and I don't know what happened to Hid, but where his head was, there's just bugs and snakes. Okay, let's get the stretcher, Jimmy. Cool. <laughs> it's one for the record books. Um, yeah. So that's our Halloween top five, everybody. This is it. Happy Halloween, everyone. We're so very excited you could join us for this. We would do a Would You Rather, but this uh, very bonus episode has gone super, super long, and I don't want to edit it. But I don't, I want, I don't want any I don't want any of these. These are, these are all horrible ways to go. Yeah. No, I definitely don't want my head melted into bugs. I'll tell you that. Right fucking now. I, I get my head taken clean off like that one guy does. I, I'm fine with that. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Who Who's to say? Uh, probably a thumb through the forehead can't be fun. See, I said we weren't going to do it. Then now I'm already into it. God damn it. You know, probably Ben Tramer probably uh, was a quick and uh, a quick death. Yeah, you know, when you're you when you're when you're you know ran into by a cop car going at full speed, you know you're you're probably your lights are your lights are out pretty quick pretty fast there. I I think so up until the point he catches on fire because he's still moving. <laughs> oh, so he's pinned, <laughs> he's pinned between a car and a and a van that's on fire, and yeah, he's still moving. So I don't know that that's a treat. But here's the thing for Ben Tramer, he was at the peak. He had Jamie Lee Curtis hot for him and then other girls at his high school hot for him. And that was as good as it was going to get for that kid right there. He was going to end up like running a gas station in Haddonfield, Illinois. And like he was saved, basically. <laughs> uh, all righty, people. Uh, Gina, wh where can people find you on the Internet? 
They can find me uh, writing about 70s and 80s television at tuneintonight.wordpress.com. Excellent. Hey, uh, do you want to hear uh, more from us in some sort of digital form? You know, we got a Facebook group. Just look us up on Facebook.com uh, slash Kill by Kill Podcast. We're out there. Uh, we're on Twitter at Kill by Kill Pod. Our email is Kill by Kill Pod at gmail.com. Drop us a line. Tell us what you think. Say you got something different to say. Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time. Trick or treat safely, everyone. Bye bye. Oh, oh, no. There's a ghost in here. It's so spoopy. Kill by Kill is produced by We Write Good and is intended for entertainment purposes only. Friday the 13th is owned by Paramount Pictures. Jason is owned by New Line Cinema. No infringement is intended. Kill by Kill logo was designed by Josh Hollis. Visit him at joshhollis.com. The Kill by Kill theme was created exclusively for us by Revenge Body. Get the whole track and much, much more at revengebodymemphis.bandcamp.com today.